Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. Uh, encourage that you would spend time together on the radio, learning and growing and being built up in your faith. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, which is a Denver suburb, and you are invited to attend and to be a part of our fellowship family. You can do that by visiting in person, making us committing to the family of God, coming on out. You can join us online. We broadcast on all the major video platforms, as well as our website, as well as live on the radio on Grace FM. There's so many different ways with so many different opportunities to come together in the Word as we teach it verse by verse, worship passionately, and just are open to a work in the fresh leading of the Holy Spirit. If you guys are listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, we are grateful that you've chosen to join us. Remember, you are um, you are um, listening to this broadcast one week delayed, but you can call during the program, and you'll hear it while you're on hold. You'll hear uh, the program as it is being aired live on Grace FM, and we'll talk, and then you'll hear it one week later, um, which is kind of a cool thing where you're able to then listen to yourself on the radio. Isn't that cool? 303-690-3000. That is the number to get on the air, 303-690-3000. Or text me, uh, 720-336-0897. 7203360897 the opportunity to talk about the things of the lord i mean this is the show where uh, pastors will host uh, pastor jeff figs pastor nick Cady. i get to i host it as well and then we have other pastors that fill in you get to talk to a pastor uh, just about maybe a bible question or praying over something going on in your life um, but being able to get behind from behind the pulpit uh, and have conversations about the things of God. But the neat thing is, is that they are conversations aired on the radio, so they are beneficial for everyone listening. So it's not just us talking. It's beneficial for everyone listening. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And again, the text line is 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. 0897 We use that text line for uh, to fill in, uh, you know, because with texting you can't have a dialogue and a conversation, but we'll go back 
to the text line and we'll pull uh, any questions or comments or prayer requests from that text line. Uh, and it's open all the time. It's actually a 24-7 number that you can text prayer requests anytime, day or night. Uh, and those prayer requests get distributed throughout the church here uh, through the leaders, the staff, the prayer teams, and we pray for you. Uh, we don't just pray for you on the air, uh, but they get passed around, and we pray for each other, um, just what God is doing, what he wants to do, how he wants to uh, encourage you, strengthen you, build you up in the faith, uh, and that's also uh, for this particular time period, uh, the um, the reality of this particular time period, you'll get on the air with us. So give me a call, 303 uh, We were, we finished up last night the... Um, we finished up last night the our verse by verse study in the book of acts and it was it was the um just a great time uh, you 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 run out of you run out of words to describe like descriptive words um to describe what what the lord is doing and how he's working things out, you know, what, what he does when we gather together, um, what he does to, um, what, when he, when he ministers and shows up in the midst of a gathering. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it was an encouraging time because we talked about the grace of the Lord. Uh, we talked about his faithfulness and, what the what it means you know for peter uh to um be used to the lord it had to be grace what it was uh, what was it like for someone to suffer and may, be able to endure it has to be the grace of god um but man it was so good and i can't believe how fast we were able to get through first peter and so our next time together we'll be starting up second peter and as the calls are coming in, uh, we may get to that. But let's just go to the phone calls, and we'll go right to Denver, Colorado. Brent is on the air. Brent, welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. Um, I have a question. At the time that Jesus had was alive and was coming to the temple, yes. um, when did the Ark of the Covenant disappear? And Jesus, knowing men's hearts, probably knew that the high priest going into the Holy of Holies, there was no Ark of the Covenant. Or did Herod the Great build a replica and put in there? And if there was no Ark of the Covenant in the in the Holy of Holies, what did he do with the blood? And how would God have taken their sacrifice if that blood could not have been sprinkled onto the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, when you look at the Scriptures, the last mention of the Ark of the Covenant uh, is back in Second Kings, or maybe even Second Chronicles, um, that we don't really read of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, you know, in Second Chronicles, let's let's look at chapter thirty-five there. So back in Second Chronicles, you don't really read of the Ark of the Covenant being mentioned again after Second Chronicles chapter thirty-five, and it talks about Josiah. Uh, keeping the feast, slaughtering the Passover lamb, 
uh, the Levites put the Holy Ark of the Covenant in the house which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. It shall no longer be a burden on your shoulders. Serve the Lord your God. Uh, you're with his people, Israel. And then you don't read about it again. So the answer to the question is, we don't know exactly where the Ark of the Covenant, there's been a lot of speculation of where it could be um, because less than 10 years after, you know, the the 40 years later, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon ends up capturing Jerusalem. He raids the temple. Then 10 years after that, he returns, took what was left in the temple. He burned it and burnt the city to the ground. And the question still has remained, was it taken by Nebuchadnezzar? Was it destroyed with the city? Was it removed and safely hidden away um, that, you know, that happened probably happened earlier on when the pharaoh of Egypt raided the temple under Rehoboam, um, but but we don't know where it is. Um, it, it is not mentioned again in uh, the scriptures um, until, actually, you know, I guess there is a, a reference uh, in Revelation chapter 11. It mentions the ark uh, being in heaven, as God's temple in heaven was open, and in the temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant, so with lightnings and flashes. Um, but where it is, um, you know, it's it's like anything. It's just like the synagogues were. What the the purposes of the synagogue was a gathering place of study to adapt. You know, the the Jewish people. In if anything is demonstrated in the scriptures, they were very flexible and adaptable to the situations before them. Uh, and and so even without the Ark of the Covenant, uh, they could participate in much of the outward show of the worship, even without the Ark, trusting that God knew where the Ark was, uh, and, and they would worship God with or without that piece of furniture. Do you think uh, possibly uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, when he brought the, the temple uh, instruments and had uh, at his party, uh, hmm. that if they had the ark, they would have also brought that out, maybe used it as a table or something. Uh, and, <laughs> That's possible. And how would, how would and, and it doesn't mention that, but so uh, it doesn't, I, would, I would assume that uh, the ark was gone uh, by, the, or basically at the first taking away in 605, that they might have um, hidden it at that time under Jerusalem. And Ron Wyatt uh said, you know, his claim is he found it. The Israeli government took it out. The last time he was at his dig, he went back and it was gone. And uh, and so uh, would, it would make sense that possibly his hypothesis under Joshua's, I think it was Joshua's grotto, that he said, and that's where you'll find the ark. He did a dig. And he, he claims that the, the ground split and the, pier, the, the sword pierced uh, Jesus' aside, and, and there was blood that actually dripped onto the mercy seat down under, and that, that would be a good hypothesis. But when the veil of the temple was rent from top down, could you then see into the Holy of Holies, and would you have seen it at that point? That's a good—those are all great questions. They're all really hypotheticals. I, I don't know. I don't I know. I, don't, I think— yeah, I think the I think the demonstration when you when you ask a question like that, the demonstration of that that curtain being rent was, you know, especially from top to bottom and how thick and how magnificent it was was just God's demonstration that um the way in uh it had really no significance with the holy of holies anymore because the holy of holy had come, the true mercy seat had been had suffered 
Uh, we now cast our cares and concerns upon him. Um, but certainly there, I mean, with the, with the, with the curtain rent, somebody standing there could see in for sure. Yeah, I think, I would think so. Yeah. And and I just, you know, as, as a stickler as God was with like, for example, no man could touch the ark and, uh, the gentleman that the ark almost fell off and he touched it and he died. There was a specific way of, of handling the ark and who could carry it. And I was just wondering what the high priest did when he walked in. He was supposed to walk around the ark. They had bells on his ephod. They had a rope around his ankle to pull him out if he did anything wrong. But how could he come out if there was no ark to sprinkle the blood on? How could he come out and say that their sins had been covered for one more year? That was just what I I even called MacArthur's church. And uh, the associate pastor said they'd never heard that question asked. And I no, I mean, I've never heard that question mind. answered. But but I think we have to understand, again, since we're in the realm of hypothesis, right? We're in the realm of conjecture, because uh, we don't. Right. you're asking questions that cannot be answered from the Bible. But if we think through things for a little bit, remember that the priesthood of the day in Jesus' day was extremely corrupt. Uh, it was it was not truly a representation of God's heart for his people. So the question, when you ask a question like, well, how could the high priest come out and say uh, that he, he uh, that sins would be forgiven for or covered for another year? Well, very easily um, that was that would maintain their control over the people. I mean that that Jesus over and over and over again was condemning the religious rulers of the day on just about every significant issue by which they were leading the people, including the chapter of woes. I mean that if you you anybody that wants a fair understanding of how bad it was um, just needs to go to the to the gospel of Matthew and read through the chapter of woes. What is is it chapter twenty three uh, the chapter of woes? Um, you know, the, he starts, he starts talking about sitting in Moses seat, but whatever they tell you to do, observe, right? So that could represent coming out and saying the truth about what would happen at the mercy seat, but don't do according to their works for they say, and don't do, they bind heavy burden. I mean, the whole chapter is like this, that you, you, even the internal fee, it's almost like Jesus saying, even the internal feelings you've been having about the religious elite, you're right. They, they are corrupt. Uh, and so how could they come out and represent something that wasn't truly accurate? Well, they made things up along the way. It would not be unusual for them to continue in their position of authority over them by pretending. Yeah, the only thing I, I just, my next, and you don't have, this is not really a question, but I would think <clears> that, that they, they put the bells on the ephod and they put a rope around his ankle in case he did something wrong. If he came out and misrepresented um, what happened inside there, I would wonder, uh, God took a man because he touched the ark when it was ready to fall off. I wonder why he would not kill the high priest when he went in to sprinkle the blood and there was no ark. So, But that that's, that's again, conjecture. The last question I have is, your last night, your service was wonderful. Can you give me the—I'm going to write this down. Can you give me the definition of grace again? I thought that was wonderful. I'd like to write that down. Well, if um, the definition that we used, just that simple acronym, or was it God's riches at Christ's expense? Well, just for me to understand what grace is and how you would define it, uh, if okay, someone well, asked the me, simple, what is grace, that's what I was looking for. 
Okay, we would give we would give a very simple definition: the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and love of God, and that that would represent God demonstrating His own love toward us. And yet, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I, I didn't expound on it last night, but it would be there are three words that go together that will help us understand grace. Um, there's judgment, mercy, and grace. And they each have their own nuance. Judgment, you could say, if you and I experience judgment, we receive what we deserve. That's what judgment is. You get what you deserve. When you and I receive mercy, we don't get what we deserve, right? Like when you would wrestle with a sibling, they'd pin you down, going to punch you in the head. And what do you cry out? Mercy, mercy. They won. They had the right to hit you, but you'd cried out for mercy because mercy, when you're merciful, you don't give what someone deserves. Grace, now, in light of those two, would be receiving what you don't deserve, the love of God. Like we often approach God somehow meritorious. Look look at me, God. Look how much of a good person I am. I deserve your love and grace, but... But no, grace is the exact opposite. If we're ever to experience it, we have to acknowledge that we don't deserve it. Do you have a teaching specifically you can refer me to? I do. It's in the book of Romans. I think I called it the glorious grace of God. Um, You know, we spent three years studying the book of Romans, and I will have to look it up. But if you go to our website here, I'm going to see if I can pull it up, see how fast I can look in the little search bar. So messages, all messages, and then there's a search bar, and I think I called it the glorious grace of God. But really, another, um, another. I guess I didn't call it the glorious grace of God, but put in the topic grace, and I, here's a, a whole host of Bible studies on grace that looks at various um, aspects of it, you know, from the heartbeat of our church to grace in action to grace compared to legalism, salvation by grace. So there's quite a few studies available on our website if you just put in the word grace. Okay, and one last request. I got a friend, uh, uh, a dear brother. His wife is really struggling physically. She has stage 4 COPD. Can we Mm. pray for her? Her name is Jerusalem. She's had a couple of bad days, and um, I just I, I want to pray for her. Father, we pray for this sweet sister. We, God, you know how even scary it is without not being able to breathe uh, and having some rough days. I pray you would touch her and encourage her. We also pray, according to your will, God, that you would heal her, strengthen her body. And for everyone that loves her, God, as they watch her suffer, may you bring encouragement to them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ed. God bless and keep All right, on man. trucking. Love you. Bye-bye. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. Hey, before we get back to the phone lines, uh, uh, Brent's prayer request just reminded me, uh, I I took a phone call today uh, on the road. I had lunch with Nick Cady and uh, Pastor uh, Wayne Taylor from Seattle and uh, Pastor Nick's worship leader, Mike. And um, on the way up there, I received a phone call, uh, a text, and then I I called them from a family that used to come to church here uh, many, many years ago. He's in the Navy, so they take them all over the country. Um, but his wife, Priscilla, uh, has been diagnosed with stage three and four cancer that behind the nasal cavities where uh, the only 
uh, solution the doctors have given have been really aggressive chemo and radiation, uh, specialized radiation therapy. And so I just want to pray for them um, uh, publicly if you'd join me, especially those of you that have faced cancer before or maybe facing it right now or maybe even been healed from cancer. You can just pray by faith into their lives because you know what it's like and you know what they're going through. So, Father, I do pray for Daniel uh, and for Priscilla in particular, the healing upon her body. Lord, she specifically a more, uh, a couple times said, pray for protection of her internal organs, for protection of her voice, protection of her mind as she undergoes these treatments. They need wisdom, Lord, about second uh, opinions and where to get treatment, how to handle it, all the military, medical, being able to take care of them. I pray for the kiddos. I know their daughter, Naomi, has been battling their their own, uh, her own, of physical maladies, and I just pray for the Cruz family today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to take a quick text question. Uh, it says, someone told me homosexuality didn't appear in the Bible until the 1950s and that there's no condemnation uh, of that sin except in terms of uh, pedophilia. Um, whoever told you that uh, is incorrect. The first mention of homosexual sin is is dating back to the book of Leviticus. So you're talking early on in the ministry of, well, really the latter part of the ministry of Moses. Uh, it's repeated again in the first century, so that takes us a couple thousand years ago uh, to um, the, Corinth and the Roman Empire. The Greeks were very much into the deviant sin of homosexuality. And actually, homosexuality even predates, I would say, uh, Leviticus, as it's mentioned as the predominant sin that Lot dealt with in Sodom, or one of the predominant sins. Actually, according to Ezekiel, Sodom not only had rampant homosexuality, and you see see that played out in the book of Genesis with the visitors there, but also the destruction of, of Sodom also included their pride and arrogance toward God, which certainly goes along with any time that we participate in sin. So you're someone that told you that uh, it wasn't accurate. Uh, it has been a sin, a sinful activity um, that has been with us uh, from the fall of man. Uh, as men began to reproduce, you remember all manner of sin was taking place at the flood. Uh, and so sin is just prevalent. Um, it's, you know, sin is sin. So uh, what I mean by that is that I know it's getting a lot of attention today because it's Pride Month and there's a lot of emphasis and even this cultural um, pressure to appropriate this behavior as normal, uh, as okay, as actually not just normal, but normative um, and certainly does uh, fly in the face of biblical teaching. But what trumps even the discussion of any sin is the blood of Jesus Christ that's able to forgive and rescue. Um, but homosexuality, the sin of homosexuality, homosexual sin is all throughout the Bible. Uh, that's why there is such great pressure against churches today. Um, even as I read today, and I don't know if it applies, I only saw the headline, so I don't know if it applies, but in Canada they're going to start um, fining uh, hate speech with uh, fines up to ten thousand dollars online, uh, and and so hate speech, you know, is now being defined basically as things that you say that aren't agreeable to the cultural norm. Um, but the Bible has to say what it says. You, 
it, it it definitely was not an invention in the 50s or 1800s. Loveland, Colorado, Dolly, welcome to the program. Hey, Dolly, welcome to the program. All right, I think we might have lost her on line two. She had a prayer request. Um, let's go on to line three. Wetmore, Colorado, Devin is on the line. Devin, welcome to the program. Thank you. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Uh-huh. You're so, on the air. Yes. I have a problem with a sin problem. I okay. get angry pretty easy, and I cuss a lot. Okay. And I'm around people that would do it because of my job. And I was sure. wondering if there would be um, plans of attack and maybe just some Bible verses that uh, could help me to help me resist temptation to get angry and also to... Um, yeah, good thoughts. Yeah. Well, a couple of places that come to mind when we have these what 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 teachers of old would call besetting sins, the the sins that seem to stick around, the sins that seem to plague us. I like pointing you to Romans chapter seven, so that you might recognize that Paul went through a very similar situation. He says, "What I am doing, I don't understand." For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And he's just like, man, I don't understand it. I don't want to do this, but I do it anyway. The things I'm doing, um, uh, the sin I'm committing, I don't want to commit it, but I'm committing them. He comes to the place at the end where he says, you know, now um, for when he says at the end, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus, our Lord, with the mind I serve the law, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. And then he begins in chapter 8, it begins, that's where you learn that verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Um, so, So there's a couple of reasons why this is a predominant sin in your life. The first reason is, is it's just a really bad habit. It's a bad habit. This is what the Bible calls flesh. You know how we battle with our flesh? A better way of describing our flesh is our old sinful habit patterns. And this is just, you know, kind of like they say with athletes, you know, they have muscle memory. Well, you Mm -hmm. also have muscle memory with your sin. It's a bad habit. And sometimes bad habits are hard to break in the physical realm. Like you're a believer, you love God, um, but man, the environment you're in, the triggers that get pushed, the buttons that get pushed, the triggers that come your way, you just resort to what's easiest to you. Um, That's why people drink. That's why people smoke pot. That's why they want to live in an altered state of consciousness because it's a bad habit. Uh, And there is a physical component to this. But the good news is, is that by faith in Jesus, you already have been delivered from this habit of cussing. As a matter of fact, you know you're able to do it because right now you're talking to me and you're not cussing me out. Um, so God is revealing to you, hey, you can live without those words. You can live without those demeaning, difficult, and you know, depending on how bad those words are, there could be some really bad ones, You know, sexually explicit cuss words that really don't reflect your walk with the Lord. They just reflect your inability to control a situation, your desire to be like the guys, You know, whatever it might be. 
and the the your your life is like a garden and you want to cultivate those things that will lead you farther and farther away from your old sinful habits and the first step is faith right trusting god god has delivered you from living with this kind of language he's already done it the question is do you believe it um and secondly the power to of to resist temptation because every time you cuss and have a foul mouth you're just participating with the temptation, um, whether it's a dumb joke or a guy or whatever it might be. Now, we ran out of time, so don't hang up, Devin. I want to follow up on the other side of the of the break, and then you can give me your follow-up. So hang on. You're listening to Calvary Live. Actually, sir, I'll probably be done. Um, okay, that's fine. So Bless you, like, brother. As far as I'll be home, and yeah. So I'll just okay, well, keep now. listening because I'll finish. So much. I'll finish because I got a couple more things to say. So keep listening. You guys listening in, I'll give a little bit more when we get back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to today's broadcast a great opportunity to talk about the things of the Lord and grateful if you're just joining us on the second half. Uh, Calvary Live starts at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time and airs around the country at that time. And we only have one quick break in the middle. It's kind of a breather. Um, maybe you have to look something up, but we like to have these long conversations. So we have two long halves of the program, and it goes by really, really quickly. As we saw how the time caught up with us at the end of the first uh, segment, Devin was in Wetmore, almost home, he said, uh, and wanted to talk about the victory over sin, um, especially cussing, you know, but any besetting sin. Uh, it could be things in your mind. It could be anxiety, overwhelming anxiety. You know, it could be lack, uh, a fear that undermines your faith. It could be alcohol, drugs, things that beset you and you know, one of the reasons why we repetitively sin is because they're bad habits. One of the reasons we repetitively sin is because we're we're giving in to temptation. I mean, ultimately, we all sin because we want to. And some things we choose to avoid that are just really not temptations to us. Uh, but some things, you know, we avoid because uh, we don't want to deal with the consequences. And other things, we don't really uh, pay much attention to the consequences uh, and and so, you know, we want to be reminded, according to Romans 7 and 8, that we can, we can live in the power of His Word, the power of His Spirit, um, and it's not just... So what I wanted to add, as we were talking about um, dealing with repetitive sin, is that we, we don't want to attack it like we can overcome it. Like, for example, okay, I will choose never to... Uh, cuss again. Uh, that's a great choice, but it's not something you're going to be able to overcome and apply in your life. It's not something you're going to be able. Well, the 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 victory over sin is by faith. Victory is by faith. You know, and the the power of living in the by the Holy Spirit is to be a man or woman of the Word. That just knowing that the Word of God is is in you, coming out of you, and you are abiding. I, I, I've just been really meditating on this part of, of um, 
a couple of things that have been coming up in the ministry, you know, the abiding life of Christ, right? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Uh, the, the, the need for us to trust Christ with the besetting sins in our lives, knowing that as I abide in him, he says, if you keep my commandments, this is John fifteen ten. if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So it's not just that word of God dwelling in us and us abiding in Christ, but it's also following through in obedience. And it not, ne- not even necessarily obedience not to cuss, but other areas of our lives that God is leading us and guiding us and equipping us and strengthening us and helping us to live by faith, trusting in him, so that in the moment when we're tempted, we can resist the devil, we can put down our flesh, walk in the spirit, and the devil will flee from us. So I don't want you to take a Bible answer on the radio and try, well, you know, I just need to do better, and I just need to try harder. I just need to read the Bible more, and I just need to pray more. Um, Those are all great behaviors, but they're secondary to your abiding, surrendered life to Jesus. And coming from a man who very much had every foul mouth, every foul word coming out of his mouth uh, for a long, long time, and now looking at my life um, much later, um, just seeing the faithfulness of God and cleaning it all up, I'm very, very grateful. Um, but I have to say, there are still times when a cuss word will be in my mouth. Most of the time, uh, it will be in my head. Um, And so, although I don't regularly cuss and I don't regularly have those words in my mind, on occasion, they absolutely show up. Um, You know, I remember one time saying something um, and Marie going, what did you just say? And I'm like, wow. Um, And it has happened. I've been walking with the Lord 30 years um, and it's definitely happened. Um, but it's not a repetitive part of my life anymore. Um, one of the reasons is because I'm washing my mind with the water of the word. I'm being transformed. I have better ways to handle the frustrations and difficulties. I, I really don't want to present myself to dirty jokes and things that would provoke my flesh. Right, The Bible has a lot to say about the flesh uh, and the flesh life. That's a great study. Um, you know, one of them I remember is to... I, I memorize these. I think there's in the, in the Bible it speaks about... Um, you know, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And the Bible says to reckon the old man dead. Reckon the old man dead. Give no provision. Don't feed your flesh is another wonderful passage to memorize. Don't feed your flesh. Don't give it an opportunity. Um, it, the flesh is hungry and it will eat everything you have to give uh, and in, it's Romans thirteen fourteen, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And really, it just becomes a matter of faith. Do I believe God that he has given me the power to walk in overcoming, in the overcoming power of the Spirit? Good stuff. All right, Rick is on line one in West, Westminster. Rick, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks, Pastor. 
Pastor Ed. Hey, I have, I'm hoping you can help me today with the parenting issue. Um, okay. I have a 20-year-old daughter who is, is not a believer, but really desperately wants to live in the ways of the world, basically. Okay. Um, and I'm struggling with how to handle it in the sense of, I feel a little bit convicted by the prodigal son story, the parable, um, that if you know somebody's not repentant at all, and um, and they basically are saying, I want to live my life, but I want you to support me. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do. Biblically, how's the best way to handle that? When I look at that story and the uh, father and the prodigal son basically gives the son half of his money, it's hard for me to look at that. I look at more like a tough love kind of thing. Like, if you choose to live that way, that's your thing. Um, And I understand that with repentance, he welcomes him home gladly. But my question is, is what if they're not repentant? And how does it all fit together? I'm struggling with that. Well, you know, you know as well as I do, and everyone listening in that have have these adult or older prodigal kids that the the situation's a lot more complex than than a radio program can really handle it all <clears throat> because there's no easy answer. Um, when I think the motive of Jesus giving us the parable of the prodigal son is to remind us of the love of the Father, His care and concern, the freedom that the Father gives to an, a son that's rebellious. The freedom, the freedom to carry on their life, to say, if that's what you want, then that's that's what you have. You know, if that's what you want, then go ahead. Um, when it comes to the description of, you know, what you just described, it's it's challenging because um, you have decisions to make that will affect the um, future of your kid, and you know, from. Um, requiring, you know, it was easier when they were younger that you could require the right behavior in order to live under your roof. And now you're at a place where their behavior is is going against what's required to be under your roof and you have a choice to make. But I, what I like to do is I like to set scenarios up where I'm not the one making that choice. I, I want the choices to be made for, like if my kids would ever come to that, I would I would have a conversation, maybe a few conversations leading up to this is what it what's required to live in my house. If you're unwilling to live in my house under these requirements, then you can't live here. And you know, people would refer to that as kicking them out. I'm not kicking them out. Um, I want my kids to live with me. I want to enjoy them, even if they disagree with me. Um, I want to be a dad to them. However, under under the conditions of my home, they're going to make a choice that's going to make that impossible. Um, and let me just say, uh, so I don't really answer your question because I really don't know what you're supposed to do in this. I just need to pray with you and know Thank that you. the Holy Spirit's going to give you wisdom for your kid. I know that. Thank you. And I wish that was an easy answer, but it's not. Um, but let me say this. This topic has been coming up more and more in the last year, especially because of COVID. And I'm not blaming COVID on it, but whatever happened in this previous year, uh, so much so that I I um, collected a series of resources that if you email me, um, I had to add another uh, list of resources to my uh, available resource list that if you email me, I will send them to you. Um, that's how often. That's how much we've been dealing with this, and it's just collective wisdom. There's some book recommendations, some articles that will help you. What it means? Hey, just pray for them. Well, what that actually means? How how, how do you handle it? How how do you influence? How do you not lose your 
cool and lose your testimony, but at the same time, not compromise, because that's what she's probably asking you to do, is to compromise, and you're not willing to compromise. And so I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to email me so I can send you these links. Um, I especially want to recommend, this book's not in print anymore, um, but I found it uh, and actually ordered some used copies to give away um, recently. It's called Loving a Prodigal by Norm Wright. No, Loving a Prodigal by Norm Wright. But it's all on these lists, so I'm going to send you the list, and it's got the link right there. Thank you. I'll email you for sure. Yeah. You know, and I think that the other thing before we pray is the 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 true the, the parable of the prodigal son also reminds us that true prodigals come home. True prodigals come home. And they do go through a season. I don't know about you. I, I didn't live a prodigal life, but I lived a really horrible, sinful life. And God rescued me from it. And these kids that are born in Christian homes or, you know, a parent gets saved later and the and the kids are kind of already developed in their thinking and you know they're just um the influences uh, upon a kid right now are so enormous they're being influenced so easily with TikTok and Snapchat and the 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 constant barrage of of hey some they they're watching somebody's highlight reel like this is the life but then they jump out into it and find out man this is not what was on TikTok man it's a lot harder like I'm, I'm stinking homeless, man. I'm sleeping on somebody's couch, um, you know. And they begin to get. To, they it takes time, but God brings them to the end of themselves, and the true prodigals come home. Thank you, Father. I pray for this dad, um, and I wonder all the emotions that the dad would have felt in that parable of the prodigal son, just seeing that this is not our desire and heart for our, for our kids. This is not our hope for them. This is not what um, we want to see or even want to live out. So I pray that you would give my brother Rick wisdom on how to serve and love his daughter, how to be patient, waiting for direction from you. Um, Lord, I know there's going to be a lot of opinions and a lot of input, but only he will be responsible for his decisions before you. So give him that ability to love his daughter to serve her well, and to make wise, strong decisions that will help her uh, live a life that pleases you, live a life that gets back into a place of surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Your ministry has been so much to my whole family. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, brother. I look forward to the email. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. And if you're dealing with a prodigal son or daughter, please do email me. Um, we've just seen a, an increase of this in our own church. Uh, and I'm sure it, it's not a COVID thing in particular, but man, the, the pressures of our culture today are just like unlike any other. It's probably what the generation in the 50s felt when TV was invented, uh, or maybe even radio, you know, radio and then TV where no longer is instruction just reserved within the home but now you have all these external um, inputs and 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 in a world that has turned its back on god very much it, it it the world captivates captivates a kid it it prom it captivates adults for goodness sake it promises much but delivers very little and 
if you are dealing with the prodigal, like I said, we I put we put a word out actually to all the pastors uh, here so that we could all put our resources together. And so we found different articles uh, and different same. And, and so if you email me, tell me that you're asking for the um, prodigal resources. But we also put together some LGBTQ resources and we're still um, adding to that list. But I can see one, two, three, four, five, six. And then, of course, all the Christopher Yuan stuff. Um, I have that available, too, if you want to email me, if that's something uh, that you're dealing with personally or something that your kids are starting to communicate as they're identifying by, you know, as more and more popular people come out and, you know, celebrities come out and identify this way or that way. Um, <clears throat> all of that. So uh, we'd love to serve you. Just tell me what you're asking for and uh, I'll send it to you. All right, let's go up to Gavin now in Fort Collins. Gavin, welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. <clears throat> I have a prayer request and Maybe you can give me some advice on how to pray for this. Um, okay. My girlfriend, I've been dating her for uh, close to a year. And uh, since I've known her, she's been struggling with chronic illness. And she's been, I know that she's been struggling with it for over three years since before I, before I met her. Um, she, and it's been, it's just been getting really, really bad lately. She, sometimes calls me in the middle of the night telling me that she she can't even lay down because she has excruciating stomach pain. And um, she called me last night in uh, a shape that I've, I've just never heard her in. She was just like in so much pain, and she just said she's so tired of it, and she just she wants to die. She doesn't want to do this anymore. She doesn't want to go through this pain. And We've we've gone to doctors. The doctors don't know what's going on. They tell her it's just stomach acid, and um, we've been praying so much for God to deliver her of this, and it's yeah. it's, it's been really hard. I'm sorry, especially for man, her. I, you know, it's hard enough um, when you have hope, like when you have hope that the medical community can help, and then when the medical community comes and says, "Yeah, we don't, we can't do anything," it's, it reminds me of that woman. Remember that had that issue of blood for twelve years, and she wait. It says she wasted all her money on doctors, and they couldn't help her until she mm-hmm. finally came desperate to Jesus. And 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 even so, you know, perhaps that I'm going to pray for you and pray for her, and 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 even invite, like I did on that phone call today. You know, if a second opinion and a different, you know, the a, the good news about the internet and resources is today is that if you do a little digging, you may find people going through the same thing. You might find alternative remedies. You might find things with a collective wisdom that can help her. But until then, it's just super hard. I mean, it's, it's overwhelmingly hard. And I think of all those dealing with chronic pain, you know, back pain, uh, in internal issues, head, you know, people that have migraines, they're just living with it. Some of them are just debilitating. And so I pray God, I lift up Gavin, his girlfriend to you. I pray for her, um, she's the one bearing the weight of all the pain and difficulty and, and doctors haven't been able to help God. They just don't have a word. They're not able to find out what the issue is. And so I pray for a supernatural healing, of course. And I pray God, um, I do, I'm, I, I, she's just at the end, Lord. So even before the pain, I pray that you would restore hope in her as she called Gavin and just so hopeless, just over, not at the edge anymore. She was over the edge. I pray you'd bring her back to a place of hope that you would even 
if not remove the pain completely, start to take the edge off of it, that she could come back to a place of, of, of hope and, and Lord, give her like maybe some, some, like a supernatural way to find an alternative to remove this pain or a doctor that has dealt with this. And just like those stories, God of man, we found this doctor and he knew exactly what we were dealing with. I pray for that. I pray for that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Sorry, Gavin. I know you're carrying that burden with her, and it's it's a heavy one. Yeah. Um, we have hope, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's been a rough week for her. Yeah, but, uh, that chronic pain, hope. man, it's it's unbearable. Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty crazy to watch her go through it. But, um, mm. yeah, I mean... I don't know. Let's say thank you for praying, and uh, we'll keep praying. And that's right. We know we know it's not like always God's will to heal, but like that sometimes makes me struggle with like, well, how do I have faith in God to heal if I know that He might not? You know. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good question. I mean, it does these these times of you know most of the time I, I share this in our church. You know, most of the time we're used to trials being, you know, they've got a definite beginning, a real short middle, and then they get resolved. And then we, we talk about those things, you know, Oh, I had this difficulty, but the Lord came through and, Oh, my car broke down, but Oh, I got it fixed. Oh, I I got sick, but Oh, I was healed. Uh, and because of so many little trials, if you want to call it that for lack of a better word, so many trials with a beginning end and a short middle, because we have so many of those, we begin to think that they're normal, but what's actually normal is a beginning and a long middle. Mm. Um, And, and I know many people are in that same situation. It could be, you know, it could be a medical thing. It could be a family thing. It could be a financial where like, it's a long middle. That is not unusual. Um, even though we kind of feel like it is, it's not unusual. Uh, sin has really wrecked humanity and, and sin has just destroyed everything about us, our bodies, our relationships, our minds. You know, God is doing that work of restoration. He is faithful to restore. He's faithful to promise a future and a hope with no pain, no problems, brand new bodies and wipe away all of our tears. But what about now? What, that's the real question. And a few of the things that you're learning through this is one, you're going to have an empathy, not only for your girlfriend, uh, because you have that, but for other people, you're, you're going to begin to think about maybe in a place you, you didn't think about all that much before, but you are going to begin to think about other people's pains. You're going to be a little sh- slower, maybe in snap judgments or quick advice. You're, you might even, you know, you hear somebody talk about some difficulty in your life. And instead of just, Oh, let me pray for you. You may ask a question and go, well, tell me how bad it is. Um, and, and as you're talking to them, you're finding out, wow, they're feeling what I'm feeling. And, and then of course, the last part that you're facing is your faith is being attacked. It's, it's a Mm. real test on your faith. And, one of the verses, you know, after um, after my son passed away, one of these verses just really came to life, um, and I've been using it in a lot of different ways. But it's 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 kind of tucked away in a miracle that we take for granted. It's when Jesus fed the five thousand, and and it says, um, 
he he tells um he tells Philip to go get some food and you know find some food we need to where are we going to buy bread that we may eat you know Jesus said told Philip go get us some food to feed these people and then in verse 6 of John 6 it says but he said this to test him because he himself knew what he would do like really? Jesus already knew what he was going to do but he let the disciples be along the way through the process, building their faith, trusting in Jesus, wondering, freaking out, all the emotions that they would go through. Um, all the while, he already knew what he was going to do. And mm. it's true in your life and mine. And and it is real. I, 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 want, I want you to know you're not thinking weird here when you're like, man, I'm praying for healing, but he hasn't healed. So why am I? And I believe he can heal, but he hasn't. So what does that say about my belief? And you just get all caught up in your thoughts when the reality is, is that what you're, what, as long as your girlfriend is uh, dealing with this pain, we know that God has allowed it, that it is a part. uh, And if it's not this pain that God heals this, let's just say God heals this. And we say, yes, amen. Another pain is coming because life is filled with pain. And he, he, he could and he would, but the reality is, is he already knows what he's going to do, and now we need to choose to do what we need to do, and that is trust him no matter what. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it is comforting, like, because we know God's good, and like, it's sad because, like, you know, we want to we want to get married and we want to have kids, but she doesn't even think she's healthy enough to have children, and um she doesn't think she'll ever be. And, um, I think she will be, I really do. Um, good. And she needs that faith. Sometimes it's, it's in faithlessness. We need people that have faith to encourage us. And she needs you to continue on stepping by faith. Um, now I just got a a text. If you're interested, somebody just text in, uh, they are a medical doctor that says, I would like to connect uh, with I'm a physician in Denver and I might be able to help. Do you want that information? Yes, please. Okay, so I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, David has the information. I'm not going to give it over the air, but I will give it. Um, you know, I don't know him. I don't. He's just listening, and who knows yeah. uh, what the Lord might want to do. But he gave his info, and I will. David will give it to you. He'll put you on. I'm going to put you on hold. And David, can you give him the info I just sent to you? And keep us up to date, okay, brother? Okay, so am I going to get the info uh, through text? No, we're going summer? to put you on hold, and you'll hear the show in your ear again. And okay. then David's going to pick you, pick up the info. He's going to pick up the call instead of being on the air, and he's going to give you that info. Okay, gotcha. Thank you so much, All right. Ed. All right. Bless you, man. All yeah, right, David, you could you put him on hold and um, get that info? Okay, got it. And then we will, um, let's see here. While you, while David's doing that, I'll let him give the info, and I'll take a text question uh, asking for prayer for finances to be sorted out before I go on maternity leave with twins. Uh, David has twins. <laughs> so, Lord, I pray uh, for um, this uh, wonderful mom is going to give um, birth to twins. Just continue to strengthen those babies in the womb, and we pray specifically for the financial part of this to be sorted out so that when she does go on maternity leave, everything is, um, 
exactly what's needed so she could give her full care and concern to uh, those kiddos. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, my name is Felicia. I'm requesting prayer and in the process of looking for a new home church. It's Bible-believing, gospel-preaching. Please pray. The Holy Spirit I can uh, tell me where I'm supposed to be committed. Uh, so let me, I am biased, so I'm, I'll give you that right out, out on the outset. Um, but I believe you should uh, find a local Calvary Chapel church. Uh, we are committed to teaching the Bible verse by verse and, um, you know, book by book, open to the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit, passionate, vibrant worship, and a list of churches in the area in Colorado is on our website at gracefm.com, gracefm.com, and... Um, Another list, and I think it's the same list, but can be found on our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church. We're in Aurora, uh, so I'd invite you to come if you're in Aurora. I would love to have you out. Or um, there's a Calvary in a local community next to you. Um, Calvary's up and down the front range, and I'm friends with most of them uh, and would love to... um, uh, check it out because you'll get the Bible verse by verse encouragement, strengthening, and <clears throat> will um, just be uh, an encouragement to you. So, Father, I pray for Le- Felicia. She's been in a church for 17 years, and uh, it has been, um, it's, a ch- it's hard to leave a church after 17 years. So I pray you lead her and guide her. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys hear the music. Sorry I had everyone on hold. Uh, but we came right up on the end of the show. Uh, visit us this weekend, Saturday night, 6 p.m., Sunday morning, 845, 1045, calvaryco.church. We'd love to have you out. Bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.